Well, you can open up in your Bibles. We're going to be actually bouncing around to a number of different places. And, uh, nope, I don't know why that's in there. All right, we will go on here. <laughs> I got something I didn't, I didn't put into mine, but... Anyway, you're, the uh, series title didn't, uh, did not go back to the old series. Um, I just didn't change the macro out that I have to do all that sort of stuff because I didn't think we were going to be in this more than a week and then I didn't think we were going to be in it more than two. And then if you were up on Facebook today, you realize we're going to be into it one more, at least one more week more than two because there was just too much to get into today. <clears throat> but there were three guys who had uh, gone to a convention together and they were sharing a very large suite that was at the top of a 75-story skyscraper. So they went into the meetings that they were there for, the seminar, and after a long day of seminars, they came back from the seminar and were sad to learn that the elevator in the Skyrise was not working. And they had to climb up 75 floors to get to their suite. So they came up with a plan. Guys with names were Bill, Jim, and Scott. And so Bill said, look, let's do it this way. For the first 25 floors, I'll tell jokes. Just to break up the time, you know, it's a long time to collect the 75. So, and then for the second 25 stores, uh, stories, Jim, he'll sing songs. And then for the final 25 floors, Scott can tell some sad stories because apparently he has some sad stories to tell. So they did this and so they got up the 25 floors and, and Bill's telling the jokes and that helped pass the time. And when it got to the 26th floor, then um, uh, Jim took over and he was singing songs for the next 25 and when they got to the 51st floor and uh, Scott was supposed to take over with the sad stories, he says, well, I'm going to start with my saddest story I have. I left the room key in the car. <laughs> well, when you get news like that, how many of you know that creates an environment? <laughs> yeah, a hostile, very hostile environment has been created. And um, <laughs> last week we were looking at the characteristics of the spirit of Antichrist. And today we want to look at, we told you last week, we want to spend some time on the effect that the spirit of Antichrist has on us. Because beside knowing what it is, we need to know how it has an effect on us. And this is the thing that concerns me the most about church and church people is the effect that this spirit has on us. And many times we're not even aware of it. And so I just, uh, we actually, uh, I, I sometimes... I think I think I've told you this before, but you know, a long time ago, many years ago, I used to study to get sermons. And every once in a while, I go through the line over at Lowe's, and everybody in Lowe's, Lowe's, everybody in Lowe's knows who I am and what I do. And so, if I go through the the, the line, no matter who is at the register, they know who I am, and they know what I do. And so they're asking me, me questions, and I talk to them, find out what they are and what they do. And so I know where most of these people go to church and uh, whether they do go to church at all. And so the, there's these two ladies, though, that they go to two different churches, and they're always asking me about church. And one of their common questions to me is, how do you find time? Making bunk beds, how do you find time to write your sermons? <laughs> well, you know, I can't tell them the things I tell you. And so I just kind of brush it off all the, you know, and she's one, one lady, she's very adamant. You know, I was in there on a Thursday and she said, what are you teaching on Sunday? I said, I just finished Wednesday. What are you talking about? <laughs> she's very adamant about that. She's funny. But I, I, a long time ago, I used to study to get sermons. I don't study to get sermons anymore. I study and I receive sermons. 
And it's been that way for years. It's been the easiest thing to have new material because I don't try and come up with it. I'm laying in bed. I get up in the morning. Of course, Sunday morning, I get up earlier and I'm praying. And I, I have plenty of stuff I can go into. But I'm waiting to receive what it is that God has. And so as we got on to the effect, I'm, I'm, you know, asking God, all right, God, what kind of things do we need to get into in order to look at the effect? And I received three things that are the effect. And so I was intending to get into all three today and be done with this. And so I mapped out the first one and uh, looked at the stories and I said, dear Lord, I, I can't get past the first one here. Not without doing it justice or getting into trouble. Last week I got into trouble. I thought I cut it way down and we ended up going way over. <laughs> and uh, just, uh, it, was, it was long. I don't, I don't like to be that long because, you know, sometimes it's, it's tougher to, to stay with it. And these things are important for us to learn. So uh, I tried to break this one down. And so we're just taking on one. Next week we may get into both of them. <laughs> we might. You know, I'll break it on down and we'll see where we, we go with this. But I really want you to get a handle on it. You all know I talk about a lot of things in the political area, a lot of things in the media area, and there's a reason for it. It's not because I'm against certain people. It's because when I see this spirit, it is my job and my duty to expose it, whether people like it or not, because I know the effect this thing can have. Some folks in our media especially, I could tell you names of some media people, I cringe. I can, sometimes they play you know, clips of them on, the, on certain shows I listen to. I cringe. I can't listen to their words. Their words are so laced with the spirit of Antichrist that it's hard for me to listen to them. And I, I know some Christians who actually listen to these people, not here, other states, <laughs> other places. Um, they actually listen to them and enjoy them. And I don't understand. How can you? How does it that the spirit of God does not rise up on the inside of you and tell you these people are spouting evil. How is it that that doesn't happen? Well, I don't know. But we always want to make sure that you folks are on guard against it. There are, understand, spirit of Antichrist, we're not talking about the Antichrist, we're talking about the spirit of Antichrist, and good people can be influenced by the spirit of Antichrist. They don't all have to be bad people. They can be some good people. And in the Bible, we've had some good people who were influenced by the spirit of Antichrist and did wrong things. Fortunately, many of those got out of it. Some did not, and some got more into, and became more and more evil. But last week we looked at the characteristics, and we did make the note that they are progressive, that the spirit of Antichrist deceives, number one. Number two, it disguises intentions. Number three, it discredits falsely those who expose or oppose. It divides, it silences, it usurps, it controls and dominates. And the last one, was not really a characteristic, it's just something that actually you'll see, you'll notice this about it. Those that are under the spirit of Antichrist's influence are capable of great acts of selfishness. Incredible acts of selfishness. So much so that you can find a king in the Old Testament who was so overcome by this that he decided a man's life was not, uh, was worth less than him having a vegetable garden. That's how selfish. I'm talking about great acts. I'm not just talking about super selfishness. I'm talking about great acts of selfishness. A pharaoh who is so afraid of people that he starts slaughtering babies. Herod, who is so afraid that he might lose his kingship that kills every baby two years and under. That is great acts of selfishness. We're not just talking about being a selfish person. We're talking about great acts. 
When this spirit comes upon people, they are capable of great acts of selfishness. And they, of course, cover it up and, and do things. But as we look at this, this one particular area, the environment, when the spirit of Antichrist comes upon... Now, we, t- we said this last time. I'm reviewing this part too. When the spirit of Antichrist comes on people, he comes people who have either great influence, great calls, people that are, uh, have authority over a great number of people. This is what they, they come upon. The, t- the spirit of Antichrist does not necessarily mess with other people, but some of those people are influenced by it and may have some of the traits of it simply because they've been influenced by people that are under this, this spirit and this power. But his, his goal is to make the time ready for the Antichrist to materialize. And so that's what he is, he is doing. So there's a lot of people, Jesus even taught us, you know, the Antichrist was coming, but many Antichrists, many people of that spirit would come along before him. Yeah, I put a scripture in there and we were going to get into that one. Now, if you notice at the top of your thing there, we were, that's, that actually was what we are going to get into. We're not even going to touch it today. We won't even get there. We will get there. It's a good scripture, but we're just not going to get there today. How many folks had some fun going through Absalom? I tell you, I was just, I was, I was sad that we couldn't go through the whole story with you, but uh, I heard from a few people that you had gone through it on your own and read that. And uh, did you count up how many characteristics of the spirit of Antichrist you saw on the boy? I mean, it's amazing. You don't see all of them, but boy, you see a lot. You don't always have to see all of them to recognize it. All of, of those traits don't have to be in, in place for you to recognize the spirit of Antichrist. But over in Acts, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter, Five, are we actually getting up? We're not up to that one. Yeah, I'm sorry, we're, we're getting ahead of us. We'll get over there in a minute. The goal of this spirit is to cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be difficult. This is the goal of the spirit of Antichrist. The goal of this spirit is to cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be difficult to preach. Number one, it does not want the gospel, it doesn't care about other things, it cares about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can preach uh, Hinduism, the Muslim faith. You can preach um, atheist. You, you can preach any other thing you want, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will come against that. And it's amazing how easy this country is accepting persecution against the gospel, whereas it is not present with any other. I think it's just amazing how easy people are accepting that today. That, and, and there's a reason for it. Because the Spirit is having some success, there's a reason for that. We'll get into it. But first off, it's going to stop the, the gospel from being preached. That's what it wants. Uh, it's going to cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be difficult to promote. Beside going out there and preaching, how many of you just tried to promote Jesus? Just tried to even promote people going to church. How many feel opposition? Just to that. That's what it's, it's out there to do. Uh, and number three, it is out to make it difficult to accept. It wants to make the, the spirit of Antichrist wants to make the gospel of Jesus Christ difficult to preach, difficult to promote, and difficult to accept. How many of you know that there are people out there that you go out there with the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over and no, no, no. But a Jehovah's Witness comes along and they, they scoop it right up. <laughs> right? Because this spirit wants to make it difficult. To accept those reasons for it. So we'll move on those who can sway public opinion against its truth. This is who it's going to come against. The spirit of Antichrist is going to work against those who come against 
its truth through, first off, speeches. People will give speeches and they will be hate-filled speeches. They will be speeches against God. They, and that's, I'm not talking about anti-Christian people. Some of them will be and some of them are Christian people who will go and they will preach a message that is inspired by the Spirit. Now, that shouldn't come as a shock to you because who was Jesus' number one adversaries? <laughs> Religious people. And they were motivated by the Spirit of Antichrist. So that it should not surprise us to that. Who was the number one opposition to the apostles? Jews. The Jewish leaders. They're the ones they, they faced the most. Uh, more so than... I mean, they eventually faced Rome, but their first order of business to get through was the, the religious leaders. Persecution of the church through Rome came much later. So speeches is one. Another one is media. Written, audio, or video. Whatever way. We just kind of put them all in the media. Uh, video, you know, TV news... TV stuff that comes on there, audio, things that you can hear on the radio, written, things that are uh, newspapers, things like that. Media. Media is out there to try and sway your opinion. And this man of Antichrist will influence those who write or do such things. Uh, laws. Laws is another one. So these are the three areas where the spirit of Antichrist will, will exercise his influence. And we're going to show you some, some examples of this here today. Speeches. Media. And laws. These in turn help to create, and this is the big one, these in turn help to create peer pressure to refuse the gospel and see it as foolishness. How many of you all have talked with people and, well, you're, you're talking about Jesus? And they immediately exert peer pressure. How many of you felt peer pressure at work because you, well, you can talk about anything else but not Jesus? Because there's peer pressure that's there. You can go out into the lunchroom and you can talk about anything but Jesus. You can go into McDonald's and you can have all kinds of prayers, but if you have prayers to Jesus, we're feeling a little funny. People are looking at you. Why? Because this peer pressure has been created to refuse the gospel and to see it as foolishness. <laughs> Exodus chapter 5, verse 6. So the same day Pharaoh <clears throat> commended the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. Now, you all know this story. I know you know this story, but you may not have seen this aspect of it. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. What is the purpose of what he is doing? To get them to disregard the words of who? The words of Moses, who by in turn is speaking the words of God. The purpose of this law is to get them, the people, to disregard the word that comes from God to Moses to them. Isn't that amazing? Let more work be... Uh, verse, uh, verse 10. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying... What are they doing? They're giving a speech, aren't they? Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourselves straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So we first off had Pharaoh making a law, and then we had people who went out and made speeches. 
Go get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw, and the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten, and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing with us? With, uh, thus with your servants, there is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work for no straw shall be given you. you yet you shall deliver your quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So what has their law and their speech and the enactment of such done to the people in their relationship to Moses? It has turned them against Moses. If they turn against Moses, how will they get the word of the Lord? When Moses comes and, and brings the word of the Lord, what, what will they say? No, we don't want to hear it. Get that word out of here. Uh-uh, we don't want that stuff. <laughs> See, that's the spirit of Antichrist. And we know he works through Pharaoh because he comes against the people of Israel to try and wipe out the Christ from ever being able to come. Now look at what Moses does. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So, and this is the goal of the spirit. This spirit wants to have an effect upon the church people who have an effect upon the leaders who get the leaders mad with God and they don't want to go to God anymore. Can you see the spiraling thing that goes down? Did you see that in the story before? That's what they're doing. We, do, we use speeches and we use laws. Now, think about Pharaoh. When he makes this law, does he really expect the same number of bricks? <laughs> no. There's no way he does. They know they are working him as hard as they can. They don't just work an eight-hour day with a 15-minute break every two hours and a 30-minute lunch. <laughs> right? No, they work from early in the morning till late at night. They are exhausted when they go. They are slaves. If maybe they get a lunch, maybe they don't. But they work them all day. There's no more time to work them or else they would have worked them. They're working all of the people. So there's no way to get more bricks if you don't give them the straw. And the Word of God actually tells us they're going to find stubble. They're not finding straw, so they're not able to make as many out of it. So the purpose of the law is not to accomplish... What they say every single time in this country, in other countries throughout history, that a law is passed that is not to accomplish its purpose. If you go through history, you will find out its purpose is disguised. Who is it that disguises intentions? Spirit of Antichrist. We deceive, we disguise intentions. We say this is our intention, but it's not. This is actually our intention. Their intention was, they stated it. Our intention is to make them disregard these words. And when they came out of that meeting, what did they do? 
They disregarded the words. It succeeded. They didn't see it coming. See, the purpose of why I get into all these things about politics and about the media and stuff like that is to get you on, on arm. You gotta be, you gotta be armed. I gotta go back to my Star Trek example. When, uh, when, when Chekhov is up there on, on the, on the bridge and he shouts out to Captain Kirk and he says, Captain, a Romulan Wessel. <laughs> he, he's just decloaked. Well, what does, what is the captain's first thing? Shields up. No, red alert. No, red, red alert, which means shields up, I guess. <laughs> shields up, red alert. However it is, those shields are up. Before we get the weapons ready to fire, we get the shields up because they know the Romulans want to take them out. And if they materialize, then they're in trouble because they can't fire their, the way it is if you don't know the series, you, Romulans can't fire the weapons when they're cloaked. You just can't do it. I don't know why. It's just written in the story that way. You can't fire when you're cloaked. So you have to come out of being cloaked in order to fire. And once you come out of being cloaked, then people see you. So they put the shields up. And, and so then. You, but you see, a lot of times Christians are not recognizing that attacks are coming. And the shields are not. We're not on defense. You should be on defense every time the spirit. I don't care who it comes through. It has come through some people I like at times. And whether you like them or whether you don't like them should not influence you. If the spirit is against Christ and you serve Christ, you should be against what the spirit does. This spirit made a small inroad into Peter. It was very small. It was just getting started. And what does Jesus do when he sees it in his friend? Get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God. (laughs) He comes right after him. I don't care friend or foe. You got people that are giving in the spirit that are trying to influence you. You need to put up a defense. Your shields need to be up. I'm not saying don't love those people. I'm not saying don't try and help those people. I'm saying you got to be on defense. Don't let them hit you. Be careful. So we have a law that's been enacted. Its purpose is not what it's intended to do. The problem is not production. There has never been, never in this story does it cite that production is the problem. But that's what the law is about. No, you're idle. You're not working hard enough. The problem is the message. The law and the news about it are designed not to increase straw production, but to influence behavior. We're not trying to increase straw production, but we're trying to influence behavior. And it worked, didn't it? Now, the same is true for all the centuries leading up. I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about all the centuries leading up to this. You will see the same tactic put about. That laws are brought about. The intentions are disguised for the purpose of accomplishing some good. Or the good of the, that these folks see. Way back, um, if, I mean, I know they don't teach a whole lot of history anymore in school. Uh, you know, if you go through World War II, ask your kids about it. They know about Pearl Harbor. I don't know if they know anything else. I know that they know about Pearl Harbor. They teach Pearl Harbor. They don't teach midwife. Christian and I, we were having discussion with the boar about, about this. And, and he's since, you know, he's since studied it because he likes this stuff. He's since studied it and got some more things. And I, I uh, mentioned to him, says, didn't they teach you about Stalingrad? Huh? They didn't teach him about that. They didn't teach him about the, the Eastern Front, the battles that went on there. They didn't teach him about the Battle of Versailles, some of the bloodiest battles that were, that were there. 
Uh, I think Battle of Versailles is where they first were looking for the blood to come up to the horse's reins, as the Bible said. There was so such a bloody battle, and it's where trench warfare first came out. And it was such a bloody battle. The soldiers said, when you ran out to fight, you didn't know how much dirt and how much flesh you were actually standing on. Wow. That's just amazing. But the things that were done there, even in World War II, when Hitler came to power, and he made the Jewish people put the little star on there. Do you remember why he did that? At the time, it was not to segregate them out for treatment of the kind of treatment that they got. It was for a whole different purpose. But through a series of laws and through a series of speeches, Adolf Hitler was able to take people who were part of society and accepted as part of society to the point where they saw them as, you are, you are outsiders, you are enemies. I hope they gather you all up and put you somewhere. That's what he he changed their their thinking. Not everybody, but he got a lot of them. There were some people who were resistant to it and didn't like that these people were given these gold stars and didn't like when they were put into trains and taken off. And they don't even teach about that anymore from what I understand in uh, in schools. They're they're leaving the Holocaust out. Some places are even saying it didn't ever happen at all. Because if we don't learn what happened in history, history will repeat. I know there's a whole lot of pictures going up on Facebook because when President Obama announced his gun laws changed and had all the kids around it, you know who else did that? Hitler. When he had all, the, we're collecting all the guns, he had all the kids. It was all for the purpose of saving the kids. Not saying that President Obama is Adolf Hitler. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying <laughs> that s- simply these tactics work. This is what has done. The, the intention of these gun laws is not what is stated. These gun laws that are passed, that just pay, he, he couldn't go through Congress, so he decided just to do, the, uh, just do an executive order. And an executive order does not trump a uh, constitutional amendment. does not have the power to do that. doesn't mean that it won't. If nobody stops them, it will have the power of it. But if you, Connecticut, I don't know if you know this, Connecticut has a ban on assault style weapons. Did you know that? It didn't work, did it? In fact, if you take all of the, the uh, presidential things that he did against guns, none of them would have stopped Connecticut. There's not a single one he wrote that would have stopped what happened in Connecticut. So is the purpose really for that? No. We are being told this is the purpose. But it's not. I think I, I, I was going to put this uh, stat in your outline, but I, I have to do it from off the top of my head. I know the numbers. I just I, I think I've, I have to multiply it out. If we are really out to protect the kids, as these lawmakers say that they are, we're going to make all these laws because 20 kids lost their lives, which is a terrible thing. I'm not trying to downgrade that at all. But if they really wanted to save the kids, 1.21 million kids were killed in 2008 because of abortions. 1.2 million is the count. I try to get more recent ones, but they're hard to come by. They, I guess it takes a while to compile them or whatever it is. That works out to about just under, like, just, uh, just under by two, 3,400 deaths per day in our country. Now, if you come up against abortion, what are you faced with? So is the purpose against, really to protect the kids? 
I think, um, who was it, uh, um, Planned Parenthood said that they had a banner year. Uh, I think they gave it over 18 months, and it was three, over 300,000 of abortions that just they performed at uh, 250 to $300 a pop per. That's how much money they get. They've got organizations that are out there to try and help people who are pregnant and don't want the baby or whatever, and they have people out there that are trying to help organizations, and Planned Parenthood comes against them. Is their purpose really the safety of the mothers? 85% of all abortions performed are performed on unmarried people, unmarried women. 85% of them. I think the actual number of people that are abortions that are performed on people whose lives depended on it was around 2 to 3%. But we're not trying to fight against that. We're not trying to help them. They, they pull people into these clinics and they don't tell them all the stories, what will happen to them after they have the abortion. And then those poor women are left for years feeling bad feeling poorly because of this baby they lost or, and, and they don't help with that. They just want the abortion time. Is that really? Are we really fighting for kids? The, this president who stood up there with all those kids to sign all these uh, presidential things, this is a president who while he was in his uh, state of Illinois wrote one of the few things he did in the state. Most of the time he just voted president. But one of the few things he actually did was his hand was in there to write the abortion law for the state of Illinois that permitted and insisted upon that if a baby who was aborted was born alive, that another doctor was called in to finish the job. That baby was going to die, even if it was born alive. Now you tell me the sense of that. Is that really someone who's concerned about the safety of kids? See, these things are done in the, in the essence of being the safety of kids, but we're being deceived for their purpose. It's deceived for the purpose. It's all for the, the safety of things. But the states that have the toughest gun laws in the country have the highest crime rate. The states that have a conceal and carry permits, like Texas, have the lowest. Because you don't know which people have the guns. <laughs> if you don't know who's got the gun. If I know no one has a gun, go in there. That's why these, these gun-free zones, it's just an advertisement. Come on over here. We have no guns. No guns. I still remember I, uh, I saw uh, Ben doesn't put up too much on Facebook, but I love the one part that he put up there. He said, the door was locked for your protection. Like that. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's, uh, they got to understand that. You come into my house, <laughs> you could die. <laughs> you could die. And see, that, that stops people from doing things that are illegal. But that's not the purpose of these things. Because it's not the purpose, you've you, you got to find out what is the purpose. Uh, there's, there's, there's more to it. I put this in your outline. Laws are passed to control or to silence critics or those who pr would promote the truth. Laws are passed to control or silence critics or those who would promote the truth or to change the environment so that the peers would do it for them. If you go out there and you talk to anyone about your view of abortion, that abortion should not be an alternative as easily as it, as it is. If you go out there and you say that to people, what are you greeted with? Opposition. Opposition peer pressure and, and, uh, and, and so forth. And well, you're just making all those people feel bad who had it. No, we're not trying to make anybody feel bad. Hey, we've all missed it. We've all done some things that have had some terrible results. We didn't know any better. 
But thank God we can get past it. Thank God that He is there to forgive us and to carry us on. Now let's pick up and go. We can't go back and change that, but we can go on from there and make sure that we don't do things that are negative again. By gun control laws? No. Uh, uh, the, the whole Obamacare thing, uh, that is, as it's labeled, is, it's, it's put out there. I remember it was put out there because so many people were uninsured. And I forget the numbers now. Uh, I think originally the numbers, wasn't it around three or 400,000 people? And then they made them take all the illegal aliens out. And a drop number dropped to like 150,000 or it was much, much lower. And then of those, there are a bunch of those that they were counting who were in their 20s who wanted to put the money towards big screen TVs and cars and things like that instead of healthcare because they felt they were pretty healthy and didn't really need it. And once you dropped all that down, you were down to a number of about 50,000 people who had health insurance who wanted it but couldn't afford it. And we did this whole thing that's expensive, that's, that's causing people who are, who are paying for their own insurance, the cost to rise. I mean, you know, last couple of years, your cost has, rise, has risen. It's, it's about control. And it's not just this country. Every country that has enacted these things before has done so on the purpose of control. And the critics right off the bat were telling them that it's the control that the old people can be let to die. And then they did the whole thing with, uh, uh, um, Religious institutions having to provide birth control that they didn't feel was right. A boy had to pay for abortions. And since when is birth control health care? But they had to pay. For, even the Catholic has has different views of birth control than other Christian churches do. But that's their right to have it. If they want to have that, no one should come over and force them to do something that's against what they say they believe. But it's being done. And it's being accepted in America that that should be done. Those folks were wrong for having that view. And they shouldn't have that view. See, it's conditioning. It's getting people ready for what's coming up. That's all that it is. Global warming was changed to global climate change. Because it didn't, wasn't always warming. Sometimes it was cooling. So we're just going to say global climate change. And that's what they call it now, global climate change. And we can do all kinds of things to control gasoline, what kind of car that you drive, how hot your house is. We're going to have thermostats that they can control and turn your thermostat off or up or down or whatever it is that they want to do. We're going to have you drive electric cars instead of gas cars. It's all about control. That's what but they'll say that the purpose is to save the environment. We are not hurting the environment. I've given you the stats before, but one of the major 10 volcanic eruptions in the last, any one of the major top 10 volcanic eruptions in the last 100 years, any one has put out more carbon dioxide and other gases than your all the SUVs and cars since the Model A or Model T was made. Any, all, any one of them has done so. And what did the earth do with all that? Took care of it all. No problem. But it still doesn't stop from having control. Now, when we get into the end times, you're going to be seeing something that goes on in the area of environment. In the area of environment, God is going to send all kinds of stuff His way, which is going to create what? Crisis, emergency. During President Obama's term, how many crises have we had? How many? I mean, it's almost a monthly thing. We have the crisis in Connecticut. We had the crisis with uh, the Hurricane Sandy. We had the crisis with the movie theater. We had the crisis with the, the fiscal cliff. We had the crisis with the um, 
deck ceiling how many times? And each one is a crisis. Now, just we'll just take a couple of them. That one where they had the uh, the fiscal cliff thing. That was coming up since the last time they did the debt. Since the last time they had the debt crisis, that was coming. They had a what a year, and they don't do anything about it until the last couple of days. It's a crisis. In a crisis, you now Rahm Emanuel was the one who came out with the statement: "Don't let a good don't let a good crisis go to waste." That was his statement. And they made sure that they've done so. If you have a crisis, you can get people to do things that you otherwise wouldn't do. So when you had this um, fiscal cliff thing, there was a bill that was written that was, um, oh, I forget the exact number. Was it uh, 150 pages, somewhere around there? The, just the bill that they passed for that. I think it was 150. I don't think it was quite as 500, but it was somewhere in there. Do you know when the Senate was given that bill? Five minutes before they had to vote on it. They were given the bill to vote on five minutes before the vote. How can you read, even if it's 150, how can you read 150 pages in five minutes and vote yes or no? How can you do it? So you have lawmakers now that because of a crisis are passing things that they don't know what's in it. Remember Nancy Pelosi? We have to pass the health care bill so we find out what's in it. Because <laughs> they won't tell you before. This president, when he was running in the first term, had said, we're going to put every bill up there on the Internet. You're going to have five, you're going to have five days to read it before it even gets voted on. That has not happened one time. Not once has it happened. Why? Because we create a crisis. If you create a crisis, people are more apt to accept things and to give things up. And that's what they want you to do, to accept things and to give things up. They did this fiscal cliff and he went off on vacation had to fly all the way back and then flew all the way back again didn't sign it until he got back into Hawaii. Why? Why is it that so many crises are being created? We've now just created another crisis in March. I think two crises come up in March. Actually, there's two coming up. And, they, and you know the, the people that say we're going to fight this Every time they come up to the battle, we're not going to let this happen. We're going to fight it. Well, we better let this one happen. We'll fight the next one. We better let this one go, and we'll fight the one in March. March will come up, and you know what they'll be saying? Well, we'll fight the next one. Because this one, we can't win on this one. We just have to fight the next one. It's because of crises. This is the idea. This is the environment. It is creating the environment. The more we create an environment of people who accept drastic measures during a crisis the more we will be ready for it. How many of you are, think that the world is ready that you cannot buy or sell unless you have a chip in your hand? How many people, how many, do you think we're ready for that? They already have the technology. They've already tried to kind of put a little fillers out. They're not, they're not ready for it yet. So what we're going to need is, we're going to need a crisis. And we get the crisis, then we can, yeah, I never got to ask you about that. I had to ask you about you get the crisis and then people will accept it. But we, these are, this is the thing. They're created crises. They are not crises that come up. They are created ones. And we don't do anything. We don't do anything. We talk about doing stuff, but we don't do anything until it comes down to the last day or two. And then we create all kinds of stuff that this will happen if we don't do something. We don't know that that will happen at all. But we're told that this will happen if we don't do something. And so then we go ahead and we do stuff. We spend a trillion dollars. Or we print a trillion dollars or we do whatever is, you know, quantitative easing one, two and three under this administration. 
was printing of money that we did not have before. They have done it three times. You know what that does? It gives the government money to spend, causes inflation, which makes your money less, and their debt less. That's what it does. They really have no reason not to keep printing money. And they were actually going to come out and, uh, and print a $1 trillion coin. How many did not hear about the $1 trillion coin? Everybody heard about that one? I'm surprised that he got his way around because they were trying to really get that through and not anybody know about it. Because apparently the administration side of the government has, has a lot of laws about what they can print. But there's not a whole lot of laws that specifically say they can't print a coin made out of titanium. So they were going to mint a $1 trillion titanium coin not to reduce the debt, but to give them spending money in case the uh, debt ceiling wasn't raised. Now that's our next, one of our next crises is debt ceiling's gotta be raised. And you know what they're selling you on right now? This is all stuff, this is all stuff is done by this because it wants to get you to, to give in to things. So how many have heard this? If we don't raise the debt ceiling, we can't pay our bills. And we need to be responsible and pay our bills. That's the biggest bunch of hogwash. I mean, do we have any fiscal sense at all in this country? Picture it this way. How many of you have a credit card? How many have a limit on that credit card? It's 7,000, 5,000, whatever the credit number is, you have a, a dollar amount that you are allowed to go to. So if you go to your bank and say, oh, look, I have a $5,000 credit limit. I have spent $4,598. I'm going to run out of money soon. Can you raise me up to 6,000? They say, yes, we'll do that. And then I have 6,000 and then you spend all the way up to the 6,000. I need 7,000. And they raise you up to 7,000. You spend all the way up to the 7,000 and you get up to, you know, I need $10,000. I need $20,000. Keep getting higher and higher and higher. And you keep going to the bank and they keep doing it. But eventually they come to the point and they say, you know what? No, we're not going to do it. What did you do with that money that went from 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 10,000, 20,000 dollars? You spend it on stuff, right? What they're trying to say is now, if we don't raise the credit limit, we cannot pay our bills. If you walked into the bank and you said, I need to raise my credit limit from $5,000 to $6,000 so I can pay my bills, what's the bank going to say? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no. Then they'll tell you, it's not for new spending. <laughs> really? We bring in plenty of money through taxes to pay the bills. We don't bring in enough money to buy all the stuff that they want to. So how many of y'all know there's been some stuff that you want to buy, but you don't buy it because you don't have enough money. And so you wait and you pay your bills. That's responsible. What our government is trying to tell us to do now, no, the responsible thing is raise the credit limit, keep buying the stuff, and then pay the bills. That's wrong. But you see, we're going to create a crisis mentality. These folks who come out and they promote it and they say these things, don't think that they don't know that this is wrong. These people did not get in these positions being that stupid. I know that they are not stupid people. I'm not going to accuse them of being stupid. They know exactly what they're doing. But they're selling it to you as something different. Why? Because they've got to disguise the intentions. Because the intentions have an effect upon the whole country. And in effect, because of the way we tie all of our uh, economies together has an effect upon the whole world. Would that sound like the spirit of Antichrist? Oh, that's where his, uh, his, his influence is to create the world in such a way that it ushers in the Antichrist. 
And so he's influencing all that he can to bring this stuff about. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 set traps to be over the whole kingdom. And over, I know you know this story, but we're going to look at this from a little different aspect. Over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now, who then would be over the whole realm? A godly man who was resistant to the spirit of Antichrist. Because Daniel could pick that sucker out. He saw it in his dreams. He saw it in his visions. He was probably more aware of it than most of us are. He knew what this spirit was about. And he could recognize it. So would it be a problem for the spirit of Antichrist if a guy like Daniel got into the top spot? This would be a problem, right? Um, verse, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Can you imagine that? That the news media was launched against a political candidate and could find nothing in their, in their past, in the things that they've done to find fault. They could not find fault with it. They couldn't even make anything up. Can you imagine having a life that is that clean that they could find no fault in what you've done? Well, they would think that, well, oh, this is great. This is, a, this is an ideal man to put in this position, right? That's what you would think. No, it's not what they think. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel <laughs> unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Is the purpose to find the best person for the job? No, the purpose is anyone but Daniel. Anyone but Daniel. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. And the governors and all the kingdom, administration, satraps, counselors, advisors have counseled together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever... Petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Do they really want to exalt the king? No. They are once again disguising their intentions and their intentions are kingdom-wide. This is how you know the spirit of Antichrist. It has, it's, it's more than just people. It's affecting the kingdom. And the king doesn't see through it. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that... Cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians. What does not alter? Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. We keep on reading the rest of the story. It's a phenomenal story, but we're going to stop there. The purpose of the law is to get rid of Daniel. Understand this. They are okay with anyone else in their ranks taking that position. It is not just they were hungry for the power. They didn't want Daniel in place. Why? Because they were given over to the spirit of Antichrist. And Antichrist knew this is the guy who will stop us. We need to do whatever we can to get them out. What happens to a political candidate who begins to run for president or an office who is of upstanding Christian character. You know what happens to him, don't it? 
They are crucified. They are brought before them. And all sorts of stuff are said about them. Whether they're true, whether they're not true, it doesn't make any, any difference. They're just said. And the media won't publicize anything that will be taken wrongly. Remember Judge Bork? Judge Bork was appointed by Ronald Reagan. He would have been the first black, uh, black judge to sit on the high court. Outstanding man. If you did any research on this man, you would have found out he was outstanding. He was more qualified to be on that Supreme Court than I think anybody else had ever been nominated at that point. Uh, Senator Kennedy came up and said some of the most racially motivated things against him. Basically, he said no black man is going to be appointed to the court by no Republican. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's basically what he said. It was never promoted by the press, and he is still looked at as not a racial person. But his motivation for getting rid of Bork was because of his race. And they brought things up in there, and they assaulted his character with things that were completely not true. And you know how the hearing goes. You've got to answer then. He didn't know what to answer because they're saying stuff that wasn't even true. They made it up. Can you think of times when they've done this in the Bible? Didn't they have people made up stuff against Jesus, against Stephen? They just bring people in, make up stuff because they want to assault the character. Remember, that was the thing that we, we saw before. They assault the character of the person because they can't do anything about the ideas of the person. We can't, uh, we can't, we can't discuss the facts of it, so therefore we just have to assault the character. Well, they're terrible people. And that's not right. So there's no problem with Daniel. He's not causing any problem. I had this in your outline, but I had to take it out. If one from this group who's against Daniel would have been considered for the job, would the same plan have been launched? Nah. Nope. That would have been okay. Would have been fine. Their tactics are the same. Distort the purpose of laws in passage and apply them against the groups or individuals they wish to control or persecute. The tactics are the same. Distort the purpose of the laws of laws in passage and apply them against the groups or individuals they wish to control or persecute. It's the same tactic over and over again. It's been done since Old Testament times. It's been done in the New Testament. This is not the first time. This is not the last time it's been done. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Our buddies Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the uh, province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, all the different people there. Uh, verse 3. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges. Man, I'll tell you where you get that list. Go down to verse 4. <laughs> then a herald. I'm trying to run, run through this. Then a herald aloud. To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and the symphony with all the music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now, no one created this law but the king. He just got into a god complex. And he made this law. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and all the different music, therefore uh, they fell down and worshipped the gold image. Verse 8, Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, yep, all that stuff, 
And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the fiery, burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Now, did these people create this scheme to catch these three? No, the king made the edict, the king made the image, and the king made the burning fiery furnace. And he made the law. But what happens when this spirit works upon individual leaders and they make these these laws? It creates an attitude inside of people to tattle. No other word for it. It's the peer pressure thing. <gasps> you didn't bow down. Well, we need to tell. We've got this thing going on right now. One of the one of the things that was passed in the drug the drug um, the the gun laws and and what's um. Has done before. Doctors are supposed to ask your kids, "Do you have any guns at home? Does Daddy have any guns? Uh, does he does he shoot them? Do you feel safe in the house with that gun?" They're supposed to ask these questions, and then they're supposed to report. Now, lawyers don't have to do that, but doctors do. Is that is that right? But see, we're, we create an atmosphere to tattle. If you can get the citizens to tattle, to tell on each other, then you create division. In a divided country, it's easier to get these things accomplished in than in a united one. And so that's what he does. He has a divided country. He wants them all. You know, do you tell? tell. They're, they're feeling like, well, I'll get some, I'll get some good points right, if I tell. And probably they would. So they uh, refuse, as you know the story. They, uh, no, we're not going to do it. You can play the music all you want to. We aren't going to bow. Uh, no, no way. No, sir. But you see, that, that there's that atmosphere that's there that's, that's created. That's what they'll do. The law was written. The inspiration of the king with the God complex, as we said, it created the peer pressure. So that people would report those who violated. That's not what's supposed to be going on. Remember, Jesus ran into some people who decided to report on someone who violated the law. Remember, they brought some uh, woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. She was caught in the very act of adultery. Moses' law says this. What do you say? And what does Jesus do? Does he reward the people for tattling? tattling? No. He doesn't do that. He gets down and he writes in the sand and he says, He who is out, the, he who is out sin, throw the first stone. Write some more. One by one, they go away. He says to the woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they've gone. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's purpose is to get people to stop sinning, not to keep accusing them. Jesus does not create an atmosphere of accusing. Satan's kingdom does. He is called, beside the deceiver, he is called the accuser of the brethren. And anything that creates and fosters an attitude of accusations amongst the people is not of the Spirit of God. It's of the wrong spirit. When we get into the end times, we get into the tribulation, what is one of the things that we see in the book of Revelation that will be going on? Family members will turn against family members. They will give them up. They're not bowing to the beast. They don't have the mark. And they'll be giving them up and they will be killed. We're getting them ready for this kind of a this kind of a thing. I'm going to close on this part. This environment is being created not only in Washington, but in our schools and in our homes, through the media, and sometimes even in churches. Sometimes even in churches, we can get in, so involved in that our group is right, other groups are wrong, 
And that is not the way we are supposed to be. The way that God has it is that, yes, we are a group. We are a group of believers. There are a group out there that are unbelievers. But our goal is to get them to be believers. And if we have any other goal, it's not of God. We want to get them all to be believers. That's our, that's our goal. If people come through the door, we don't try and find out, well, are you this? Are you that? All right, well, you can come in. We don't do that. People come in the door, what do we do? Glory to God, glad to have you. Come on in. We're glad to have you. Come on, come on in and worship with us. Love to have you come on out here and, and worship. If they smell a little bit of alcohol, do we kick them out? We've had people come in the house of God here and smell of alcohol. Do we kick them out? No, they need God. Come on. <laughs> let's, let's help them out. Let's work with them. That's not, the, that's not the goal. God does not try and separate and divide. Paul in his writings in the New Testament said, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Because that was the big groups there, Jew and Gentile. He said that, no, stop doing that. Anything that gets out there and tries to get us to focus on certain groups that we're in. We're of this color, we're of, of that color. We were, we were watching a movie the other night. Oh, that was a phenomenal movie. Christian brought it in. Uh, he said that you had this movie come in on uh, his little Netflix thing. He said, you want to watch this? It's called Red Tails. Anybody see the movie Red Tails? I didn't even know that movie was out. Oh, man, that was a good movie. If you have not seen Red Tails, go back there and order that movie, get that movie, go ahead and watch that movie. Oh, it was a good movie. And um, it has some racial things in it because, you know, it was back in World War II and they had the, um, the, the guys that were uh, black and they were flyers and the guys that were white and they weren't allowed to mix and they weren't allowed to do certain things and whatever it was. Well, finally, this uh, group, the Red Tails, was given some high-end assignments and they were doing awful well with them. And uh, they were actually protecting some fighters. And so some fighter pilots who were white stopped them and they thought they were going to get into a fight and so the uh, black pilots came up to the white pilots and uh, you, you're thinking oh man a fight's going to break out and the white pilot sticks out his hand and says i want to thank you you guys escorted us to the thing and we didn't lose a single one didn't lose a single fighter we want to thank you we want to buy you a drink will you come into the white only officers club and we'll buy you a drink and they came on in and they were they were talking and i love the line that they had in this movie this is one of the best lines in the whole thing they sat down around the table, and the, the one guy who was one of the, the black fighters, and he says to the guy who's one of the white uh, bombers, and he says, um, he says, let me get this straight. You guys get green with envy. Is that green with envy? And, and, and blue with the, and red with, and he named all the different things. I don't even know what they all are anymore. But anyway, um, what is what you get red with? Red, red with angry and, and blue with whatever, I don't know what it was. But he said, you get green for this and red for this and blue for this and you call us colored? <laughs> I mean, that was an outstanding line. <laughs> and they all laughed about it. I said, yeah, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but you see, that's, we're, we're not here to divide in groups, not by race, not by beliefs, not by what church we go to, not by the, whether we like Star Trek or don't like Star Trek. Not whether we watch football or don't watch football. We're not going to divide up into groups like that. We can, football players and watchers can enjoy non-football players and watchers. And Trekkies can enjoy, believe it or not, we can actually enjoy people who watch Star Wars. We can do it. We can do it. It's, it's no problem. But you see, this, this spirit that is out there is at work on our country, on our churches, in our schools, even in our homes through the medias and the different things that we bring in, 
trying to indoctrinate us and create an environment that is conducive for Antichrist to do what he wants. And if we do not realize that that's what's going on, our shields are down and their shots get in. It pains me when I hear things from people. I've really never uh, spent time studying the spirit of Antichrist until now. Never spent any time on it at all. But I've been extremely familiar with it. And I can pick it out. I just never realized that's what I was picking out. I could pick it out in people, and it gets me upset when I hear it because I know the damage it can do. I don't want it to get in you, in you at all. I've told you this president is more given over to the spirit of Antichrist than any president I have seen in my lifetime. I'm not talking about ever. Just during my lifetime, it's one of the ones I can deal with. And we'll, we'll show you more examples of it. I'm not saying that he's a bad guy. I haven't met him. I don't know whether he's anything like that. I'm just telling you from what he's doing. I can judge what he does. I can also judge his motive if he exposes it. And he has exposed his motive on a few occasions. I can judge it then. I can't judge it if I don't know it. If he doesn't tell me. But I can judge his actions. And if you don't, you are going to receive some stuff. It's going to cause you to be divided. You don't have to hate the president. You don't have to hate Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, any other guys we brought. I don't, don't try and get you to hate them. I want you to understand their words are poison. And the things that they do are against God. Don't look at them as anything other. They are against the things of God. I'll give you example after example. I've referred to at least on Wednesday nights, we referred to uh, Brother Keith pulled in the list. Of, how many pages long was that? Seven? Six, seven pages? Six, seven pages of every day, just list a real tiny listing, every day that the president did something against the church. The church, not religion, the church. That's a whole, I didn't even know all the ones that were on that list. I knew some of them, but I didn't know near all of them. But we're not just talking about, in this series here, we're not just talking about what he's doing against the church. We're talking about what is being done to create an atmosphere for the spirit of Antichrist to thrive. If we are aware of it, we can resist its influence and keep it from accomplishing its goals with us. With us. You know what? Next week, uh, President Barack Obama could get saved and turn over all this thing. Well, how do you know he's not saved now? By their fruit, you will know them. I don't care what a person calls themselves. I don't care where a person attends on Sunday. What I care about is the fruit that they have. And if you have fruit of division, if you have fruit of deception, if you have a fruit that shows one thing while you are with the other hand doing something else, if you have fruit that says behind the scenes what your intentions are and out in front you cover them up. And I can tell you a half dozen times just the ones I know of where he's done that. That is not right. If I ever tell people outside of this church something different and opposite from what I tell you, I am wrong. And I am not operating by the Spirit of God. I need to correct that. It's not something that I, that I should ever do. But it is something that people get into. Our goal is to live life the way God told us to live it. There are people who are going to, and Jesus told about it, these folks that are coming in, they're not, they're not coming in as intruders. They're coming in as wolves in sheep's clothing so that you will accept it. It's my job as your pastor 
to point it out, regardless of their race or their position. I will tell you what it is. I've told you many people from many different races who are outstanding character and have put up the things in politics. I don't care about their race. I care about their character. I care about what are you going to do for the kingdom of God? What are you going to do for, the king, for, the, for this country? What are you going to do as far as the Constitution is concerned? These are important things. But anyway, we probably already went over on what we were going to do. I see, I only got into one. We got two more to get into. Two more things that, um, that has the effect. This is the first one. This is the big one. This is the environment. And it's, this is all to create an environment. How many of you can see this kind of environment of people, just like these three stories, of people who reject the word of the Lord, of people who are telling on each other, as in the case with uh, uh, the last story we just read, the case with, with Pharaoh, where he got them to, to reject the word of Moses, people who come against folks who are righteous, going into positions of authority simply because they're righteous and they will expose us for what we are. We can't have that. Would you all stand up with me? As we pray this, this go into prayer, uh, Bobby didn't make it out today. He was um, uh, <clears throat> not, not I had a headache is what it was. He had a real severe headache and, and couldn't make it out. Uh, so we'll, we'll pray for him as well. My dad is uh, still over at, uh, he's moved over to the other place now. He's over near Chestnut Hill uh, doing better. Uh, had a real good day on Friday. I didn't get to talk to mom about how yesterday went, but it was a good day. And we have a couple of testimonies we'll do, but let's pray first. Father, we thank you for a warnings that are in your word to keep us from falling and being deceived. Father, no matter who it is in whatever position they are in, they come against the things of God. They come against the things of God. We need to recognize it. We don't need to despise, disrespect, or be angry and hateful to any of the people who do. Because that's not what you have taught us to do. That's not how you taught us to walk. But you taught us to stand for the things of God, to stand for the gospel, to stand against the forces of evil when we saw them. But we have to recognize them and we have to see it. We don't have to hate the people that are being used. Because you don't call us into that. Father, I thank you that our shields can be up when we see the spirit of Antichrist manifesting and showing its face. We can stand against it. We thank you for the help that you give us to recognize every time that it comes up. Say, no, I won't receive from you. I won't receive that. Father, you give us the help that we need. We thank you for it. Thank you too, Father. Ministering to Bobby, the word that he has on the inside of him, the faith that he has just rises up And this headache that is trying to inhabit his body in the name of Jesus, we join our faith with him. It will have no place in his body. Healing belongs to him. We thank you for that. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.